Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Force Chatter. We have two episodes of Ahsoka to discuss. Two very good episodes. Um, a couple of other things as well. And I'm very excited to announce that we have back in our non-real virtual studio, Tim. What? Where? Hi, Tim. Hi. How you doing? I'm 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 well. How about you? I'm I'm doing pretty well. Long time no see. Um, welcome to the podcast. We do like an audio thing here where we we talk and then we put it up on the interwebs. I, I can oh, walk you through okay. it. Very fancy. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um. So everyone can see me when I wave. Then right. Yes, in their heads. Oh, okay, good. And I can swear a lot. Um, in your head. <laughs> there's a lot of head work involved in this as you can tell so if you're using your inner yeah. voice tim you can swear all you want yeah exactly lou how are no, you doing it's, it's uh it's gonna i'm be doing bad. great it's been uh, a lot of travel and such so it's been crazy yeah yeah you've been gone we, we mentioned before this entire summer has just been like insane but yep. uh, i'm still real i'm here yeah yeah he he does exist see? ladies I can, and gentlemen i can poke and myself and i i exist see yeah. Well, they they can't see. they can see in their heads and now they're they're imagining poking you and hopefully only in very appropriate ways <laughs> so what up lou <laughs> poke him with a lightsaber <laughs> there you go speaking of which we have a couple of things that we are going to recap from before some controversies that have been floating around the internet one of which involves being poked with a lightsaber we're going to talk a little bit about that too all right so, um, I tell you about the last time I was poked with a lightsaber. Keep it clean. <laughs> that's, that's all I'm saying. Keep well, then I don't have much of a story for you. Sorry. I, I figured that could be the case. All right. So before, before we get going, um, we have a little bit of sad news that, um, we, we feel like we should get out there. Um, a, a very good friend of the star Wars community has, uh, has passed on. Um, they, uh, were apparently struggling with some things and, um, made the decision to no longer be with us. Um, Marcus Doring, some of you may know him if you've been to convention, Star Wars Celebration, etc. Um, he's a member of the, he was a member of the 501st, uh, very personable, very friendly guy. Um, I know that every time I've seen him, he's just been full of light and and pleasant to be around and very optimistic and uplifting and it was always a joy to get to see him um you two have met him at conventions right yeah yeah a few yeah. times uh, he's also been on the show with us mm -hmm. um to talk about the 501st and to talk about different things in star wars and um yeah, just a you know, hell of a great guy. Always a smile on his face, and uh, you know, just goes to show that uh, you know, folks can deal with mental health issues and kind of cover it up pretty well. Because yes, sometimes mm -hmm. you know, we don't want to burden our friends and the rest of society with um, what we view as kind of our own internal problems. And um, yeah, yeah, really, really, really sad loss. Uh, it was a heck of a shock. It happened. Um, couple Wednesdays ago, uh, actually Lou and I were on our way down to Dragon Con, fully expected to see Marcus down there. Yeah. Um, and heard the news that, uh, he had made a, uh, post on Facebook 
kind of saying his farewells to, to the world. And um, a lot of folks were, you know, kind of posting like, hey, be on the lookout for him and that kind of thing. Um, and then we heard, you know, later in the evening that uh, they, they had found him and, and he had passed. And uh, so it was, it was kind of a, you know, while, while we had a great time at DragonCon, uh, it, it was still a very um, kind of a dark cloud that you know hung over us. Um, mm -hmm. And there was a uh, was it Saturday night. Lou was the the five hundred first gathering. Uh, yeah, either Friday or Saturday. I think it was Friday. Actually. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so we had a there was a five hundred first mixer, and 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 as part of that, they his uh, some folks from his own garrison um, came and 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 said some words. Good. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, it was a you know. Nice thing, just uh, I I think practically everyone in that room knew him. I mean, yeah. everybody seems to know him. I mean, yeah, talking to friends well, from he, California and 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 up here and everywhere, and everyone's like, oh yeah, I know Marcus. Yeah, I mean, he was the communications officer for the um, file first nation nationally. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah, I think everybody in the Fovers knew. We knew him from before. He was a friend of the shows right. back uh, when we we went to Anaheim yeah, uh, the first the time in fifteen. Um, yep, and yeah. uh, we we saw him then. So yeah, it's. Uh, I know that it caught everybody by surprise. I hopped on Facebook for the first time in probably two or three years. Uh, in fact, that's like I heard about it through our Discord server. Um, and then, uh, Chris had, had posted something, I think it was, and then I hopped on Facebook and, and just post after post after post from so many people whose lives, uh, he had touched in, in good ways. I mean, he was a very well-loved person and it's sad that he felt like that was his only option. Um, and so we just want to put out there, everybody struggles with something at some point in their lives. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that struggle can feel overwhelming and you feel like you don't, you don't know what to do. You don't, you don't have a way out of it, whether it's a uh, trauma or pain, or you made a mistake about something and just know that you, you probably have a lot of people who are going to miss you and who would be willing to step in and, and help if they knew. So speak up, talk to people, get help. There are all kinds of of organizations out there and resources and things online that that uh, you can go to to get help was it 988 i think is now the nationwide um suicide prevention hotline um uh wasn't it 811 I'm trying to think now myself uh, nine, 988. 988 988 okay yeah yeah so just keep that's, that in uh, mind that, like, that's in the u.s it, that's um, a good other point too countries will have other numbers Right. But I mean, I can't and, imagine any other countries that don't have resources available. Just reach out and, right, and let right. people know because people are going to want to help. Mm -hmm. And it's also a good, good idea to check in on your friends. Um, you know, that's another good, we haven't talked in a while. I mean, check in, we're all dealing with things in our own way and some of us can, some of us can't. So yeah. Um, and when you, with your friends. when you have friends that are checking in on you, be honest, mm. it, it doesn't do any good for them to ask you how you're doing. If you always just say, yeah, I'm doing great when you're not, it's okay to not be okay, but you have right. to tell people anyway, it is ironically, uh, today started suicide prevention uh, week. Yeah. I so about that. there's also a ton of resources out there online. There, there, there always are, but you know, this week in particular, there's, there's a lot of stuff, um, in abundance. Okay. So yeah, you know, if anyone needs to talk to somebody, 
Um, you know, but mental health is, is no different than physical health. I mean, we, right. we talk to people about our physical health issues all the time. Yeah. Um, oh, you know, that bum knee that I have or that, that bad shoulder or my toothache or, <laughs> or cancer has cancer. Yeah. Or, <laughs> you know, Yay we, me. we, we talk about on that, that kind of stuff all the time. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, mental health stuff is, is just as important. We should be it is. kind of just as open, you know, talking about that kind of thing. And sometimes mm-hmm. they go hand in hand. I mean, very, hey, true. you know, Eric, you had your cancer diagnosis and you weren't like all sorts of happy about it, uh, for no. obvious reasons. So, you know, we had some, some good conversations about things and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a hard time. It's, and, it's you know, a hard I, thing to go through a lot of that kind of stuff. I want to thank the two of you for that specifically because that was a help. And like that's an example of your friends being there for you when you were going through struggles. And and a lot of times people don't think about that kind of thing. And, and the other thing too about reaching out is don't wait until the last minute. You don't have to be right on the edge of the cliff to yep. reach out and get help. Get help before it becomes so overwhelming that you don't even trust that help can exist. It does exist. Right. But, you know, re- reach out early. And, you know, we don't want to belabor this this point too much, but, you know, we all loved Marcus. Um, and and this is really sad. It's a big hit to the community overall. The entire community loved Marcus. So um, we, we did want to say something here on the show. But we're going to move on with the rest of the content here. Moving on to Ahsoka, there have been a few things on the internet that have been popping around, some of which we're going to discuss during the uh, the episode recaps here. But uh, one of the things is the ratings for Ahsoka. There was a lot of talk about how Ahsoka did not fare well. And there's a company that's kind of like the Nielsen ratings, and I forget the name of it. It begins with an S, and I think it's like five letters long or something. But they are the official streaming uh, metrics company. And they had reported that it was, I think it was 1.2 million in the first week for the premiere of Ahsoka, which puts it right about Andor's numbers, I think a little lower, uh, and a little lower than The Mandalorian Season 3. Not great. Not great at all. Now, the flip side of that is Disney then came out a few days later, and for the first time ever, to my knowledge... Gave specific numbers. Disney Plus has never given specific numbers for streaming. And they said the premiere week was 12 million, not 1.2 million. Okay. Um, now, Disney has all of the numbers, whereas this other company, Nielsen and things like that, they get a sampling. And then they extrapolate from the sampling what that would actually look like. But Disney's claiming 12 million, which is very successful. Yeah. So and and quite honestly, uh, and really good. I mean, not down very much from the premiere episode, which had fourteen million, um, as reported by Disney. So oh, I might have my numbers wrong. 14, then. It, fourteen was it fourteen and not twelve? Uh, for fourteen the million for the debut episode. Yeah. yeah for the okay. Premiere. So I was wrong. Fourteen million, which again is incredible. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize you're talking about the first. Ep- I thought you were talking about the most recent. Episode. Oh no 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 no. I'm sorry. I'm I'm talking about uh-huh. the premiere because there's always a delay when the numbers come out. So we only just recently. I think it was last week. We got the numbers for the the premiere. So 14 yeah. million, which is really really uh, good. Samba TV. Samba. That's it. Thank you. See, I knew. It began with an S. Five letters. Yeah. That was yeah. close. You were on it. So 
let's talk about uh, chapter three, Time to Fly. This was the shortest, I believe it's the shortest Star Wars episode ever. It was 29 and a half minutes, not including the recap, the opening credits, and the closing credits. So kind of short. We get a, um, a training scene with Sabine. You're going to have to forgive me, too. I've, I've got the hiccups for some reason, which is great timing when you're podcasting. <laughs> Go me. Of course. Um, so we get a, a scene. I, with, I was recording a video uh, earlier today, and yeah. I, I got them as well in the midst of that video. Isn't that the uh, worst? Yeah. <laughs> I hate that. That's okay. Yeah. Our, our, our fans will bear with me. It's okay. So, um, Hu Yang is evaluating Sabine's lightsaber attack. Uh, she's got um, like a, a training sword. He has these weird things they're like fake lightsabers that when she slices through them it indicates whether it was a clean cut whether it was too much of an angle things like that mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. um she's training with him and he, he's doing the um general grievous thing with the forearms and uh ahsoka comes in observes it says that maybe she should train sabine in zatochi and Huyang says she's not ready for Zotochi. So I looked it up. And according to Wikipedia, Zato is a title. I'm reading this verbatim. Zato is a title, the lowest of the four official ranks within the, I can't pronounce this, to Todoza, the historical guild for blind men. Thus, Zato also designates a blind person in Japanese slang. Ichi is therefore properly called Zato no Ichi, or low-ranking blind person Ichi, or Zatoichi for short. So, Zatochi is what they call it when they put that uh, helmet on and she can't see. And then she directly quotes Luke Skywalker from A New Hope. And that was fantastic. I love the callback. Mm. It was, it was great. I, I loved, especially when, when Ahsoka stepped into this scene, I loved that whole dynamic, um, and this entire scene and how it played out. I, I thought it was a lot of fun. I wish it weren't a direct quote. Like it pulled me out a little bit because it, it felt eh, a little on the nose. Like I, I get it. I liked it. And, th and there are several callbacks to a new hope in this episode. Yeah. Yeah, quite a few. Which is quite cool. A few. I, it, it made it feel I, more like Star Wars. One thing that I love, and I've, I've commented on this to a few people before, is as this series has gone on, the calm that we see in Ahsoka is amazing. She keeps her composure to like, this absolute lowest level of calm almost all the time. It's, it's a very rare occasion that we've seen that she even like takes it one step up. It just, she is in complete control of things around her. And even mm -hmm. when, when things like to that brought to the, a broader extent are chaotic, you know, there's this big fight, there's a space battle, there's a, you know, whatever. She keeps herself so incredibly centered and calm. And like that was one of the aspects of even just this little uh training segment with Sabine that, you know, you the 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 
uh, juxtaposition between the two where Sabine is, she's pissed off. She's frustrated. She's angry. She's just fed up with the whole friggin' thing. And of course, you know, she's the one who is training, not Ahsoka, but you know, Ahsoka is just, you know, walking around her very mm. quietly, very calmly right. doing her thing, taps her on the shoulder once in a while. Like I just, I love that, that demeanor that we're getting from her through and everything. It's, it's funny because at the end of that, Ahsoka's response to Sabine's frustration, um, it's kind of balanced between a light side perspective and a dark side perspective. Like the, the frustration, um, lets you tap into that power more quickly. But also, like, don't forget yep. the light side. So it was yeah. <laughs> kind of that balance there. And you're right about Ahsoka, though we do see at the end of episode four a moment where maybe that goes away a little bit. But we'll we'll get to that mm, in yeah. a bit. You're right. Ahsoka maintains that cool demeanor pretty much all the way through. So uh, one thing I did want to talk about during this interaction, after they're done with the training, um, Sabine makes reference to her lightsaber wound that she got at the end of the first episode. There's been a lot of talks and memes and stuff online about that. And I guess like, I didn't really consider it a thing, but then the internet kind of blew up about it. I mean, a lightsaber is going to cauterize the wound. So that's one thing, but everybody's like, yeah, but Qui-Gon Jinn got hit with the lightsaber and he's dead. And how is she surviving? So I want to, I want to give a shout where out. It is. I'm pe- 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 yeah, it depends where the hit is. Shot well, exactly. in places in their body and some will survive. Some but this is the first time we've seen it through. Well, some are going to die. Right. But this is the first time we've seen it through and through the lightsaber and the person did survive. Well, no. Through, to my knowledge. No. And see, I want to give a shout out to Mediocre model, uh, Modeler. Great YouTube channel. You should be watching it if you're not already, especially if you're into cosplay and stuff. But... Over at the Mediocre Modeler channel, he's also been doing recaps of Ahsoka and, and other recent Star Wars shows and uh, maybe Marvel stuff, too. I'd have to check. But he has a really good analysis of Episode 3. And in that, he points out, Lou, a list of other people, both in recent oh. video games and in canon, who have survived Sorry. lightsaber hits and not just darth maul who was chopped literally in half and survived <laughs> okay yeah but other live action canon uh lightsaber impalements that people have survived there were two in the kenobi series alone hmm, okay oh were there was yeah there was reva even... and there was oh yeah yeah that's right and there was the grand inquisitor oh okay yeah all right yeah yeah so okay. shout out to mediocre modeler for, for calling those out. And there's a few others he references. I'm not going to spoil them here. You should go check out his video for more on that. But yeah. So like, I don't understand what people are getting all worked up about. Plus if you look, I went back and looked and when you see the back of Qui-Gon Jinn, when he takes the lightsaber, it looks like it goes through his spine. Yeah. Yeah. It was more mid mm. Yeah. Right. More aligned with it with the middle of the body. Yeah. Sabine's was off to the I side mean, and Ahsoka was arriving on scene while Sabine's attackers departed and was able to get her to medical facility right away. Qui-Gon right, Jinn, like right. Obi-Wan had to keep fighting. So Qui-Gon Jinn's lying there. And then mm. like all of Theed is under attack by battle droids. It's not like they're just going to walk into a hospital and say, hey, over here. Yeah. Well, it, 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 like Tim had said, it depends on where you get hit, too. Exactly. I mean, if it went through your spine, yeah, okay, game over. 
Right. If Unless it just kind of went through part of you, it's well, you know, hey, <laughs> who knows what's going to happen to you? So yeah, yeah. I, she, I, mean, she I lost a kidney. You know, yeah. you should be happy she didn't lose a hand. Well, that's yeah, true. That, that was all too often in Star Wars. Yeah, there, there's no coming back. They from don't that. grow back either. Yeah. No. All right. So anyway, moving along, um, I, I just wanted to to kind of point that out. It, it seems like a silly thing. I like it's funny the beams and stuff. Like it, it's yeah, it's fine. But like it's not really a, a thing. Hera meets with uh, Chancellor Mothma and uh, the other senators on the council. Um, one of whom, Ziono, is. Do you remember the Resistance cartoon series? Yeah. If you don't, it's okay because nobody else remembers it either. <laughs> I watched it. It was okay. It was well. That's very generous of you, Tim. I watched it. <laughs> yeah, I watched it too. I don't it recall okay. the, it being okay part, but you know that's mm. so. Ziono is the lead character's father from Resistance. Okay. Oh. Oh. Okay. Yeah. I didn't make that connection. Honestly, I didn't either. Shout out to new rock stars. <sighs> They make my job so much easier because they always post something before we record. And then it's like, <laughs> Oh, I missed that thing. But you know, credit words do new rock stars. Yep. I, I, I really appreciate that Hera and Mon Mothma have a particular, you know, easy candor. Yes. Um, between the two of them, they have clearly been through a lot. Uh, they've established a really great relationship and, uh, you know, bureaucracy is bureaucracy. So you have this, uh, this council. What what the heck was the name of this council? Um, there was a particular name to this council. Was. That I didn't gave. write it down, and I think it was actually in like episode two that they gave it. Um, may have been, but uh, you know, I yeah, I, obviously that 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 one guy is a uh, uh, he's he's hard on the whole thing. I mean, he's like, yeah, we you know, he's he he he's pushing so hard for peace um or at least seemingly maybe he's not maybe he is in with the imperials and trying to you know kind of tamp things down who knows but uh yeah he's he's definitely the antagonist of this group well and the implication is the other two on the left side of the five of them were former imperials that's hmm. the implication from the conversation, and, and that's how a lot of people are, are interpreting that. What do you guys hmm. think of this whole approach to... I don't want to get too far down this rabbit hole, because we have a lot to cover this episode, but the, um, you know, there, there's been kind of this sympathetic movement towards some of the bad guys over the years. And more recently, what we've been seeing in the shows has been, and in some of the books, in fact, like uh, Bloodlines, is we're seeing uh, kind of a political corruption within the New Republic as well. And kind of this, um, you know, we don't want any more conflict, but peace is not merely the absence of conflict. You can have a lack of conflict and there still be peace, like in a dictatorship. So what do you guys think of how the the new Republic is being portrayed. Lou, what, what is your take on this? I know you're very interested in, in finding out kind of like the world building and, and what's going on in the universe through these shows. Yeah. And, and that is something I'm kind of keenly looking at as we get these episodes. And I think it's interesting how you've got this, you know, gigantic Senate that was, you know, 
there before the emperor and and now is there to pick up the pieces. But there's so many moving parts, so many different worlds, so many different senators. How do you know who's on whose side? I mean, everyone's trying to maintain a little bit of power. And um, I I mean, going forward, I, I don't know how they really do this and not get burned by having somebody who is sympathetic to the empire in that that group um right so there's a lot going on and it's just um it's tough i mean mean, they're in a hard hard place because you can't just clear out everybody and start from scratch you've got to go with what you have and we saw that in was episode two where we had you know for the empire and they start shooting up in in that room there on (laughs) at the shipyard um you don't know who's where so i mean right until somebody shows the true colors it's just going to be kind of taking everybody at their word for it and we're all in this for peace but clearly we're not right the, the, the empire is so incredibly misunderstood here we go <laughs> here we well, go I thank, mean, thank it, you so, justin bulger <laughs> but, but look at it this which way, by the way so, justin so, if you're I mean, listening hey how you doing go on Luke. everybody in the senate everybody in that political body was not a bad guy I mean, I mean we, we, we joke about how the Empire was a legitimate ruling government body in the galaxy, but, you know, there were some bad That's players in joke. there, obviously. They, they, they were. They were, yes. But at the same time, everybody that was going along with this, I mean, I guess you can say if you, if you went along with it and kept your mouth shut, you were, you were aiding the bad guys anyway. So regardless of that, but not everybody in that group is a monster. Was evil. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Bail Organa, Mon Mothma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's fair. But even the ones that weren't actively working against them, the ones just kind of middle of the road. Hey, I'm going to keep my blinders on and do my own thing here, and I'm not going to go to either side of the uh, of the the fringes here. I'm just going to stay in the middle. Um, those people could be swayed either way, probably. And you could argue argue that it's a bad thing because we don't want them either in the new new republic going right. forward. Well, and we saw a little bit of that in the Mandalorian season three as well. Was it three or two? I think it was three. With the um, the episode focusing on the uh, genetic scientist, and you know, he came out of that mm, presentation yep. he made before the council, and yep. they're like, "Oh yeah, you know, good guys, bad guys. We kind of lose track. We're just kind of here, you know, milking the system." <laughs> All right. Well, back to the episode. So anyway, Hera meets with the the senators, chancellors. Um, she wants a task force to be sent to the Denab system, and. Zional accuses her of searching for Ezra. She's like, yeah, what did you do during the war? Just kind of like sit on your butt the whole time, right? Isn't that right? She comes out. She sees Jason. We see, uh, we, we get a good scene with Jason for the first time. Um, he wants to be a Jedi. Of course. It's called foreshadowing. <laughs> so I'm sure we'll get to that at some point. Uh, then we cut back to Sabine talking with Ahsoka. And this is another one of those things that's been on... Uh, a lot of discussions online, uh, Sabine pointing out, I can't use the force. I can't feel it. Not like you do. And Soka says the force resides in all living things, even you. And Sabine says, if that's true, then why doesn't everybody use it? So, and Soka says, talent is a factor, but training and focus are what truly defines someone's success. And a lot of people are like, okay, how is it if she's like not force sensitive that she's going to get to use the force? And there is a conversation from 1981 with George Lucas. And this is included in J.W. Rinsler's The Making of Return of the Jedi. 
which is a good book. By the way, pick it up. We're going into the Wayback Machine. Going into the Wayback Machine. So this was a discussion that was transcribed um, with uh, Lawrence Kasdan, uh, Richard Mark Markand, Mark Quinn, Markand, Markand, uh, the director of Return of the Jedi, and then George Lucas. So Kasdan says the Force was available to anyone who could hook into it, and Lucas says yes, everybody can do it. Kasdan says not just the Jedi. Lucas says, it's just the Jedi who took the time to do it. And Markand says, they use it as a technique. And Lucas says, like yoga, if you want to take the time to do it, you can do it. But the ones that really want to do it are the ones who are into that kind of thing. Also like karate. So according to George, go ahead. Well, but, but also what they had set up, still at the hands of George Lucas, when we reflect on then episode one, Uh there are clearly certain beings who end up with an innate ability to use the force. Uh, You know, if we want to have the midichlorian discussion, even absent the midichlorian discussion. So the the argument practice, Mm -hmm. the whole practice of the Jedi, uh, when the Jedi were, you know, in numbers, uh, and had an organization going out into the universe, finding uh, <laughs> younglings who little had kids. some <laughs> kind of, of of aptitude for the force, and then mm-hmm. yes, kidnapping them yeah. and bringing them back to the temple for training. Kind of, I I don't know that it necessarily contradicts Lucas's earlier statement, but it at least provides some clarification that well, okay, well, yes. Everyone technically has, quote, access to the force. There is a very small percentage of the population that has actual ability to access it and the talent to use it. And even then, it's also to varying degrees. Not everyone is a Yoda. True. So here's how it fits into the the midichlorian argument. Midichlorians are basically bacteria that almost act like antennae to interact with the force. Right. Like the more you have, the better reception you're going to get. And then with the context of midichlorians, people having a high midichlorian count versus low midichlorian count, because the argument is supposed to be that everybody has some, um, and Mm -hmm. that the Jedi go looking for the ones that have the higher count because they are going to be more successful in the training and more powerful and therefore will become Jedi. They would not take someone like Sabine who could use the force, but oh my gosh, it's going to be a nightmare getting her there. So I kind of look at it like playing a musical instrument. There's talent and there's skill. Some people are born with an innate understanding of music, but they still need to build skill. They still need to train on how to actually make that instrument function. And then there are other people who can take piano lessons their entire lives and, you know, they can crank something out, but they don't necessarily have this, this intuition for it. They're not necessarily in tune with that. They've just hammered away for years and years and years, building up the skill to compensate for lack of natural talent. And then ideally the people who are going to be the most successful other people who have the innate talent 
and then also put in the hours of training to build the skill. And I think that's where the Jedi were going. They were identifying the people who had the, the innate talent or the high midichlorian count. And then they were taking them to the temple and helping them build the skill. I, I think it's a music is a great analogy for that, Eric. I, I think it's really good. I, I also you. do want to put out there. What was it that I texted you during that episode, Eric? I don't remember. What, what, character from legends that i compare Sabine oh to. no 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 <laughs> so let me first point out corin horn actually had uh a ridiculously high midichlorian count it was never actually mentioned in the books but i happen to know personally <laughs> that corin horn had a ridiculously high midichlorian count and was very uh yeah. was very easily tapping into the ability to use um, not telekinesis, but telepathy. He couldn't get the telekinesis to work for crap, but when it came to That's telepathy, true. he was really good. He had that innate talent. And you are not going to say that Sabine is the analog for Corn Horn because we're still going to see Corn Horn or else I'm going to sue. And I mean that in the most loving way possible. Good luck with that. Yeah. Good luck with that. So, anyway, getting back to the episode here, Sabine can use the force it doesn't matter whether she's quote force sensitive or not because that is something that can be trained as a skill at least to some extent and the argument according to george lucas himself from 1981 is that everybody can become force sensitive i love the fact that hu yang basically just accuses her of being the worst Jedi ever. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that great. was fun. I love that. And, and blatantly, I just think it's fantastic. It's I, especially I when, like the role, uh, especially when Sophie goes, like, you told her that. Right. So she knows it too, but she's like, do you tell her that? Right. Yeah. So speaking of which, yeah, it, she and Huyang argue about Jedi standards and, and all that Hera calls and they're not getting any support. We're going to kind of just whip through the rest of this episode here. Um, if, if I can just say that there, there is an interesting, uh, division of power in this that Hera has, I don't know that she has supreme military control, but she is, you know, one of the, the highest levels in the, New Republic military. Yes. Yet there are clearly certain things that she cannot do without the approval of this committee. True. Well, that she can't do with authorization. Right. That is the nice thing about being a general is you do have a certain level of autonomy and sometimes you <laughs> ask for forgiveness instead of permission. Mm-hmm. Probably not good that she tried the permission route first, but we'll see later how that pans out. Maybe either way, well, she's if not. If you don't ask permission and just do it, you're easier to get away with it. If you ask for permission to get denied and still do it, then you're then you're screwed. Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm wondering if this is going to come back to bite her later. Probably not. But uh, for now, Harry indicates that she does not have approval to come support them but they arrive in the denab system they detect a larger object on the other side of the planet and then they get ambushed and then we get more callbacks to a new hope uh i would have 
expected Sabine to be a little bit better as a tail gunner. Like, I guess maybe I've played enough video games and maybe just if she played more video games, <laughs> she have been better. Not sure. I, I, I like the dynamic though, that evolved between Sabine and Ahsoka in this where Ahsoka was, I mean, obviously Ahsoka was the pilot and pilots are typically in charge of the, 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 the craft. Mm-hmm. Um, but she realized that her movements, you know, unanticipated movements, especially when you're trying to dodge enemy fire and such, were also really messing with Sabine's ability to do what she does. And yeah. and Ahsoka had this, you, you saw this realization that Ahsoka had that, hey, wait a minute, this is a thing that Sabine really has a talent for. She's a warrior. She right. can shoot. This is the kind of stuff that she can do. Even though I'm piloting, I need to follow her lead. And once they made that change in their dynamic, like everything just started to go with much more fluidity um, and obviously a, a much greater degree of success. Mm-hmm. And so, so, I mean, but, but we see this, you know, obviously there, there was this period of time that, that we haven't seen where Sabine, uh, was Ahsoka's Padawan prior to this series. And obviously we can see the struggles that the two of them had. Um, a lot of it credited towards Sabine's lack of ability toward her more of a warrior mentality. Um, and then to, to Ahsoka just kind of being Ahsoka. Um, and even though she's grown a lot, she's evolved a lot. They ended up, quite a bit at, at odds and we're still seeing them at odds, but we're also seeing where the two of them are finding opportunities to, to, to be better with each other. Right. And it, I also think that along those lines, it's interesting to see that dynamic when after the ship gets hit, then Ahsoka gets out on the wing of the ship and is, <laughs> is taking them on with a lightsaber. Yeah, I was a little concerned about that scene. <laughs> yeah, it, it was I a mean, little far-fetched. Like, they made it so work. Just don't get close to the ship. That lightsaber can't go very far. Yeah. yeah. You know, you, you know. have all of space to fly in, yet you choose to fly that close to the aircraft with the most dangerous Jedi at the moment uh, being where I mean, she is. You would with have the blade to that'll slice right through the ship. Why? To get that close, because that yeah. that's not something you do by accident. I mean, you really have to try to get that close without hitting the other ship. Uh, I, I mean, mean, I was a little worried that we were going to get the flying nun thing going on there for a while too. Space Leia, I'm, I'm glad didn't happen. Yeah, well, I mean, that goes back to what Tim was saying, where Sabine kind of figured out the same thing Ahsoka did, and Sabine turned the craft to to catch Ahsoka on the wing again. Yeah, and that part was what the audience cool. can't see right now is Lou rolling his eyes. Really, really hard. <laughs> I know. I mean, it looked cool, it, it and that's did, what Star Wars is about half the time. The thing, it, yeah, you're right. It did look cool, but it was, it, it did take me out of the moment a little bit. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. I get, I get that. I, I think it probably did for a lot of people. A lot of people were like, oh my gosh, that's <laughs> awesome, and the rest of us are like, really? I mean, okay. it was cool, but it would just never happen that way, it's right? Like, yeah. So here, I'm going to stand here. You come really close to me so I can attack you. Well, like, here's another question. Why didn't she throw the lightsaber at one of the ships and then use the force to pull the lightsaber back? 
Yeah, I'd believe Why that. Why did she need more, to yeah. jump into the air and slice it that way? Like, she could have hit all three ships. I don't know. Anyway. It's okay. It's all right. <laughs> it's Star Wars. So, uh, we got some Pergil. Live action, up close. It almost looked like yep. at some points the Purgle were helping them with how they were moving their tails around and, and stuff like that. But uh, after that, they escape. They land in the forest. They shut down all the systems. Um, there's a discussion. I'm going to come back to it in just a second. And we cut away to Balin saying, you know, finding out they're in the forest. And he's like, hunt them down. And then we cut to the credits. But before that, after they land in the woods and Hu Yang wakes back up, they have a little discussion and they're talking about these intergalactic hyperspace lanes. And Hu Yang mm-hmm. says the Jedi archives speak of intergalactic hyperspace lanes. Plural. So it looks like way, way, way back when. Not only was this lane known, but presumably other intergalactic hyperspace lanes. So it's curious what happened to them. Why are we no longer using them? Why have they been lost to time? Was that intentional? Was that like a safety type thing? Of course, that doesn't mean that on the other end, they don't have the maps to get to this galaxy. So Mm -hmm. it's... um, I'm kind of curious as to the backstory of why those ended up getting lost over time. Was it intentional? Was it accidental somehow? And then how do you accidentally lose track of something that, that is that big? Especially when they're in the archives too, you know, right. It wasn't like we, Oh, we found this all of a sudden. No, it's been there. He knew it was there. You know, right. I think that's setting up stuff down the road for another series beyond this. I don't think we're going to see any more about that. I agree with you. I think that um, they're opening up the doors for, and I think this is a good idea for the continuation of Star Wars beyond the Skywalker saga. We're going to get either the Grisk or the Yuzhan Vong or, or both two different galaxies. Mm -hmm. Maybe we don't know. Maybe we do all the Grisk and the Chiss and, and all of that stuff first. And then later we come back to the Yuzhan Vong. Like, I don't know. 15 years down the road, maybe we get to that or something who knows, but it gives them the ability to now go do whatever they want. It's what Marvel's doing with the multiverse. Once they open that door, they literally have no boundaries. Mm -hmm. And now star Wars has that same storytelling flexibility. It's interesting that it's new, different technology to get there, I guess. Right. I mean, right. Whether it's more hyper hyperdrive engines or, you know, bigger or, you know, them compared to the mass of the ship, but something's going to be different to get there. Not just, Hey, we know how to get there now. Right. Um, well, and one of the theories about the nature of the star map and, and this intergalactic hyperspace lanes and all that is that the star map was created by the Rakata, which in the times of like the old Republic video games, Knights of the old Republic and, and that those were an ancient race already. And they were technologically beyond the rest of the galaxy at the time. Uh, in it's fact, there's speculation that this. Lasagna. What's that? It's also what I prefer to have in my lasagna. R- ricotta? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tastes better that way. But this the, is why you guys keep me around. 
Yeah, that, that's no, true. Julie, not. <laughs> hey, you're a better cook than I am. I don't know if you can find some ricottas and grind them up and. Mm, okay, that, 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 that got a little dark. But anyway, <laughs> the upcoming film that's supposed to go back to the beginning of the formation of the Jedi, like thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago, it's speculated that that might also focus on the on the ricotta. So, uh, my, I, I'm curious if they're going to go the in that thing, direction. The, the connection that I'm having a hard time making, though, is that so this this star map, that little orb mm-hmm. that Ahsoka found, was in a uh, Rakoshan temple, correct? Um, we can assume that it was Rakoshan. Yes, it was in a temple. So. So this map, like, how are they knowing that this map in particular is going to lead them to where Thrawn and Ezra are? Aha. So like, I may have an answer to that. That's, now. that's the thing okay. that's getting me that, okay, this right. was a star map that was built a gazillion freaking years ago. And mm-hmm. Morgan yeah. decided, Hey, those people know exactly where Thrawn and Ezra are. Mm-hmm. I I I don't understand this. I mean, so, was there a prophecy of some sort? Were there were these people like uh, knowing the future? Uh, I mean, were they making lasagna for all of us into the future? I don't know. So no. I may, you you brought this up um, earlier in the week or last week or something like that, and I've been thinking about it since then. And I did a little, little bit of looking into it, and I think I have an answer. Mm. And I think it. Okay. It's a good answer. Not a great answer, but it's a good answer. So, a few different things. Number one, I think we're going to break... I know we said we were going to do two episodes of Ahsoka in this episode of Force Chatter. I think we're going to break episode four into a different recording. Um, so, we'll talk about I made this. made this one so freaking long. You did, Tim. How dare you have things to talk about? What's wrong with you? Jeez. Things to talk about on a podcast. So... Uh, We'll talk about this a little bit more in the next episode, but um, it looks like, to fast forward a little bit, when Ahsoka grabs the star map, and you see it burning her hand, so there's this green kind of smoky substance that comes out of it, which is the same thing we see anytime we see Night Sister magic. Hmm. Okay. Combine that with... hmm? Witches. Yes. Exactly. Witchcraft. Mm-hmm. Com- combine that with the temple where Ahsoka found the star map, had pictures of the, the three persons there, which also goes oh. back to... I know the answer. It was Agatha all along. It was Agatha all along. Exactly. See, you knew exactly <laughs> where I was going with this. Oh, good Lord. In, in the ninth episode, we're going to have like little theme song and all that kind of stuff. The little montage. So there was what could have been the father, the son and the daughter, which then goes Mm -hmm. back to the world between worlds. And it goes back to, um, on that mural that Ezra used to get into the world between worlds. There were Pergil on it. I believe there were Pergil on the markings in the temple and if there was any reports from anybody coming out of that battle that indicated that Purgle grabbed 
the Chimera or whatever ship Thrawn happened to be on at the time and took it through hyperspace, it would not be that difficult for Elspeth to presume that the uh, hypers, the intergalactic hyperspace lane they need to follow is the one associated with the Purgle, the one that they use as part of their migratory movement, which is why we're seeing Purgle there. And then finally, um, this may be like, I don't think it's really that big a spoiler and it might not even be true. So I don't even think you need to skip ahead, but if you want to skip ahead, like 30 seconds, go ahead. But there is, there are rumors that we are, we will end up discovering that the, um, the people from Dathomir, the, the night sisters, night witches, whatever, that they actually came from that galaxy which also has to do with why the star map has some sort of like night sister magic coming out of it when yeah. Ahsoka opens it up. So all of those connections and Elspeth being a night sister, uh, which again is clearly the assumption. And we see a little bit more evidence of that in episode four, which we're going to get to in the, our next episode. Mm-hmm. It would make sense for her to connect the dots and believe that this is what is it the road to peridia or something i have to look back through the previous show notes but that this is the place where thrawn ended up this is the way this is the way (laughs) yes but that is not entirely clear and that's a really good point and once we know that there are more than just one it's like well how do we know that this how do they know that this is the one they need to follow that's a really good question but I think that, and I had to go look it up, but I think that that's probably what's going on. I think there are probably enough connections there that we are to presume that Elspeth connected the dots and determined that this is where they need to go. Yeah. So I'm, 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 I'm still a little skeptical, but I, I, I will mean, go with this. It sounds plausible. I mean, I, I, I like the whole migratory thing of the purgle. I mean, I think that would make some sense, um, but we'll see how it plays out. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode, unless you guys have anything else to add about episode three. No. All right. Well, in that case, we are going to wrap it up. We're going to come back with uh, episode four, The Fallen Jedi, and we will have that posted probably the day after this episode is posted because we're going to record them back to back here. So tune into that. We've got a lot to talk about in this next episode. There was a lot of stuff. Lots of stuff. So, uh, and then... We have episode five coming very, very, very soon, which by all indications, including the fact that they're doing a limited theatrical release for it is bound to be quite epic. Mm -hmm. So be sure to stay tuned. We will be back with you soon with more force chatter until then take care.